Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I'm sharing an interview that my wife and I did with relationship expert, Alison Armstrong. Now I asked my wife to join me for this interview, not only because she's a big fan of Alison's work and uh, it made her very happy to have a chance to talk to her. Um, also because uh, my wife actually introduced me to Alison's work a few years ago. But perhaps most importantly, it felt right because we credit Alison to saving our relationship. Uh, a few years ago, we were going through a tricky time. Uh, Christina came across Alison's work, started applying it. Things Im improved almost immediately. And I guess you could say the rest is history. We not long after that got engaged and then married. And so I guess you could say that my wife and I are one of Alison Armstrong's many uh, relationship success stories. And so I really was excited when she agreed to join us for this interview. We start by asking Alison to share a couple of her uh, foundational principles at the heart of her work, uh, and then go on to ask her about things like how to resolve conflict in relationships um, and how to bring out the best in each other. And I do recommend you stay tuned because we absolutely loved the closing advice that she gave at the end of the interview. So before passing over to the interview, I just want to give you a quick intro to Alison and her official bio, which I have here. Alison Armstrong's exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with the decision to study men. And I quote, to find out how I was bringing out the worst in them and hopefully how to bring out the best. Her success in understanding men naturally led to her studying women's behavior and making vital connections between the two. Um, one of the things I love about Alison's work is her focus on understanding why and really getting to the root cause as to what's going on. And, and, and when you resolve the cause, then the symptoms take care of themselves and we can have massive improvements. She shares practical partnership based alternatives. And through her work, uh, she's been giving millions of people uh, more access to fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families and productive organizations. Her live events and over a hundred hours of online programs are available at her website, alisonarmstrong.com. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview uh, with Alison Armstrong. So hello and welcome. Thank Welcome, you. Alison. So glad to be here. Hi, everybody, and hi, Alison. Welcome to the Calm Clan. <laughs> That's where you are, by the way. You're yes. in the Calm Clan tonight. The Calm Clan? Yeah. What's the Calm Clan? It's a meditation community. We also explore therapy stuff, and it's all about being calm and present and living in the moment and stuff. Oh, the Calm. Calm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I was just talking about that a little while ago. We may have difficulty with my Scottish accent and my Mexican accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I have to translate in your head. What am I trying to say? <laughs> okay. Well, if you have trouble with my American works with people all over the place, hodgepodge of Midwestern, Eastern, Colorado cowboy shit, howdy. So if you can be with that, I'm sure we can work it out. 
we've already said we're so excited to be with you tonight um, or today. Uh, I, I can quite honestly say that you probably saved our relationship. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. We were going okay, to. You're welcome. And I'm pretty sure you saved your relationship because you had to have the hard quest conversations. You had to cough up the truth. You had to make adjustments. I might have just pointed what to do, but you had to do all the heavy lifting. You took all the risks. Yeah. So that's true. Good job. Yeah. We're so grateful for your work. Um, yeah, it was like five years ago, I was lying in the couch going crazy. Like, why am I destroying it? Another man that keeps telling me the same things I'm controlling. I'm nothing's enough. And I was like, maybe it's me <laughs> <laughs> And through a friend. I grabbed your book after resisting it for like a year and it totally changed our relationship. And yeah. we, after that, I got engaged and then got married. So it, it kind of, we're a success story from your work. And That's also we've, we've shared it with a lot of the people that are here and many others. Uh, we've shared your, your work and we're so happy we get to ask you some questions. Yeah, we feel like we know you already. You must get that all the time. We've listened. We've driven around Europe a lot because we used to live in Spain, now in Mexico. And on our long, yeah. long road trips, we'd have you, your audiobooks like playing and we'd be listening to them and talking about them over dinner and stuff. So, yeah. So thank you so much, first of all. Mm -hmm. You're you're very welcome. And so just so you know, what I do doesn't make any difference until you have the courage to do something with it. I'm very clear about my part, but anybody who says that I saved them or transformed their lives, I know who really did it. <laughs> and honestly, everything I do would have no value if you didn't act upon it. So bless you for that. Thank you. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. So for those that don't know you, can we start with you just sharing, like if you could distill like a couple of your fundamental principles at the heart of your work so people that are just meeting you can get a sense of where you're coming from. And then we'll go from there. Nobody has ever asked me to do that before. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so this would be not canned, but if I was going to distill the principles at the heart of my work, I would say that where you started, wanting to understand the cause and effect is definitely... Um, Part of my engineering mind is taking it apart, taking it apart, taking it apart to try to see where did the mischief begin? <laughs> where where did this go awry? Where and, and when I started studying men, I thought maybe it's just hopeless. Maybe what women want from men, men don't want to be. I, I, I was willing for it to be hopeless and then was shocked to find out most women are still waiting for the hero to ride up <laughs> its white or black horse. And um, yeah, we, we still, we still want a hero and what a hero looks to each of us is different, but we still want one, at least one. And so then I started asking men, if you could be anything for a woman you loved, what would you be? 
And a shortcut where it got to, it stunned me. But the answer was their hero. And I didn't give them that word. They gave me that word. So um, that was early on in 1991. And I really only expected to study men for two or three months. Um, I had an extremely negative opinion, attitude, point of view towards men. I knew they were shallow. I knew they had no feelings, so you couldn't hurt them. <laughs> I knew they were superficial. So, you know, this should be really quick to figure out how I might bring out the worst in them. Well, maybe it was all of that, that it was how I was bringing out the worst in them. And uh, I've never committed to studying men long term. I just became fascinated. And so another principle would be, what's my part? Um, the first part of the word partnership is part. So what's my part? What do I have to do with it? And that's why I was thrilled when my friend was called a frog farmer. And I had the realization that I was one because I tried to change men and it didn't work, but I could change me. I'd been involved in transformation since I was 19 years old. So me, I knew <laughs> how to how to alter. Um, so what's my part is definitely um, at the foundation. Um, in in the search for cause and effect, one of the things I found out was how much false cause um, gets assigned and that that's what mostly makes us ineffective. That when we answer the question, why does he do that? Why does she do that? Why do I do that? That the answer is usually personal. It's usually because I am, because this happened to me, because of my blank. So it's it's usually an answer that's that's personal to um, personality, birth order, religion, ethnicity, how many brothers and sisters you had, single mom, single dad. Um, trauma, uh, abuse, neglect, <laughs> shock, like it, it's usually, you know, assigned to those things. And I've found that most, yes, those things all happen, but mostly why we do what we do is it's before individual. It's even their gender differences for sure. They count. But there's also mindset. The, depending on what gender you are will affect mindset and mindset will affect the whole expression of that. Are you in a committed state of mind or open state of mind? And then even before gender, there's human. There's human instincts and things that human beings do. And then in the last few years of my work, it's even below that. There are things that we're driven by that aren't merely human instincts. They're instincts of herd animals and pack animals. And they're even before that, they're the instincts of microbes. <laughs> we, what we're driven by has its origins in so much before our personality. It's more like this, like our personal experience would be up here everything we've inherited would be the base of the pyramid. And in, in looking at things that way, most of my work is about becoming aware of these mostly unconscious compulsions 
And in those moments of awareness is when we can make a conscious choice, when the prefrontal cortex can go, oh, I'm feeling tense. Oh, that'd be an indicator I'm compelled by instinct and I'm about to do something that's going to make everything worse. Let's take a breath. Ah, okay, what are some of my choices? Oh, be curious. I could get curious. Go from furious to curious. Nice. <laughs> right? Ah, why did they do that? Well, why did they do that? What if I'm completely off base? How about I ask? How about I ask kindly? Like, you're a good person. A good reason for the things you do. And so you must have had a good reason for that. And I think I've misinterpreted. And that's why I can hardly breathe right now. Could you eliminate, please, <laughs> slowly, gently? <laughs> courage. Takes courage. Thank you, Alison. That was a very nice, um, really good and thorough um, summary of what you do. And I love that. I love that. I... I used to feel like, well, I'm not like any other woman. I am not like this. Don't put me in a box. But then when you understand it from the biological and the evolutionary perspective, we laugh so much at the simple stuff like, I need him to tell me that he likes my food because before I can enjoy my meal. <laughs> and when... <laughs> You know, and, and when um, we start understanding and I started understanding why these things happen, it just makes it makes it so much more simple. Um, and one of the yes. things for me as a woman is that the safer I felt around him, the more feminine I, I became naturally and the softer I became. And so my question to you is, what can a man do? And I know there's so much information that you give. So guys, please just go and, and read her work, watch her <laughs> lectures, because we cannot cover even a percentage of what she shares with us. But <laughs> in a nutshell, is there some specific things a man can do to help the woman feel safe? So then she relaxes and mm -hmm. is feminine and, and bubbly and all that. Yeah. Um... Can I do both sides of it though? Yes, we, we were gonna for, we, for we were men gonna as well. Ask, yes. Okay. Well, it's just easier to contrast it. So this goes back to what I said about state of mind. Um, is a man or a woman in a committed state of mind or are they in an open state of mind? A committed state of mind would have a result an objective, a goal, a destination, and the commitment to that changes our perceptions and how we process our perceptions. And including screening out everything that's irrelevant to what we committed to. And this can be very good in accomplishing certain things. It, but it can also cause a lot of problems. Like, for example, if a man or woman decides, I'm going to get married. <laughs> I'm going I'm to be married within a year. And they pick a person. This is the person. This is the person I'm going to marry. And their brain is screening out all the information that's coming at them saying, this is not a good person for you. <laughs> this person doesn't care about you. 
everything you say you need, they invalidate. But they'll just screen that out because this is a person we're going to marry within a year. So it can, can you see their side effects, right? And then in an open state of mind, which mostly men are in an open state of mind when you're at play is what you might call it. Um, you have no results to produce. You're not committed to anything. You can play. And it's we fall in love with you when you're like that because we can connect with you better. And um, when you're focused, it's really difficult to connect unless we learn to connect over what you're focused on. And if we do that, then we can transform anything from a barrier to a bridge. And um, like my boyfriend, Dan, he he golfs about five days a week. <laughs> and, and I could... I could call myself a golf widow if I wanted to, but why would I? He gets so much out of it and and I get to ask him questions and he tells me all about it. And it's this thing we get to connect over. And um, so the safety thing, when we're in a committed state of mind, whether we're male or female, we'll experience what we usually call feeling secure rather than safe. I've honestly only heard men use the way the word safe um, as it relates to a woman being safe to talk to. That in communication, there is safety or not safety. But other than that, it's about being secure. And when we're in committed state of mind, we experience being secure when we're being productive. And our greatest access to productivity is respect and trust. And this is why, especially men, will have a huge caveman attack, a huge upset over anything that feels disrespectful or is an indicator of, I, I don't trust you. If you don't trust me, you don't know me. If you don't know me, you don't respect me. So trust and respect this is one of the ways women bring out the worst in men without even knowing it. We do something that is disrespectful um, or like interrupting. We just walk in and interrupt as if what you're focused on is stupid. And we'll even think it's stupid. <laughs> we have every right to interrupt because what you're doing is stupid. And we don't know how hurtful that is. Um, so... In a committed state of mind, trust and respect and being productive, that will matter to a woman as well. And <laughs> I remember my husband asking me, I was just like, I had so much I had to accomplish to get ready for this big family party. And he said, he said, what can I do? And, and I had to stop and think, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do right? What can you do, in other words, my way? And it ended up opening up this whole area of, we called it certification. So he would get, he'd take on, I'd like to be certified in this so I can provide it for you. So you got certified in making me breakfast. You got certified in making me coffee. <laughs> but studies show that that men's vision and women's vision is very different. And that the 
faster an object is moving, the bigger the difference between a man's ability to track it and a woman's ability to not track it. And so I used to laugh that the reverse is true because I say to Greg, okay, just clean off the bar. And so he would go take everything he'd stacked up on the bar and he'd stick it behind the bar. <laughs> and then I go look at the bar and I'm like, um, honey, could you dust it, please? And he's like, dust? I said, yeah, there's a lot of dust on the bar. What dust? And I just figured it wasn't moving. He couldn't see it because it wasn't moving. <laughs> dust was invisible. But when we're in an open state of mind, what has us experience being safe is connection. This, that's where the herd and the pack shows up. Um, again, in another way that if I'm connected, I'm safe. If I'm liked, I'm safe. If I'm considered pleasing, I'm safe. That's where you're, do you like my dinner? <laughs> I need to know, do you like my food before I can enjoy it? And it's um, the greatest access, just like trust and respect are the greatest act access to productivity, attention and interest are greatest access to connection. And, and this is why women will get really out of sorts when a man is focused on something, even a young man, like a 13-year-old who's already started puberty, that's a young man. And not being able to get his attention will cause a lot of tension in her body, a lot of anxiety in her body. It's one of the reasons why many moms hate video games, because they're designed so well for the for the male brain and to appeal to everything that the male brain thrives on. Like you make a move, you get a point. You take a bigger risk, you get more points. You fall off a cliff, you push a button, you reset, you get to start over and there was no punishment. <laughs> and nobody drags you to the next level. You get to decide, I'm really good at this. I'm ready for the next level. You don't have someone saying, okay, you're a really good boyfriend. Now, when are you going to ask me to marry you? <laughs> I try to drag men to the next level. A lot to be learned from video games, including it's a way that you can connect. You can connect over video games. Um, so attention and attention and intention back directly to your to your question, Sandy. I'm not, I mean, Christina, is that's what has us feel connected and then feel safe and then relax and not be striving, not be on the attack, not be trying to get a feeling of safety. And to that end, my biggest recommendation is to find out from all the women in your life that you interact with on a regular basis, what are their favorite questions? Find out what their favorite questions are. Because how are you? You ask a woman, how are you? We are compelled to answer that question honestly and completely. <laughs> And an hour later, after you've heard about my physical state, my mental state, my emotional state, maybe my etherical state, my spiritual state, and the state of all the people that I love. How is my donkey doing? My dog, my boyfriend, my three kids. <laughs> after you've heard about all that, now I have answered, how are you? 
completely and honestly. And of course, as a man, somewhere in there, you go, is there a point here? You're thinking this in your head. And then you're like, how am I ever going to remember all this? And then your eyes cross and we're not done talking, but we think you don't really care about us. So your effort to show attention, to show interest backfires because of the question you ask causes a flood of details your brain's not ready for. And and sometimes the report of how are you is a, is a lot of complaining, a lot of aches and pains and anxiousness. And <laughs> so that's why if you find out her favorite questions to be asked, there are questions that almost always will access her passions. And what men have taught me is that when you're listening to a woman talk about what she's passionate about, you actually have a surge. They don't, but they don't know this, but I found out you have a surge of testosterone, of testosterone spilling into your blood, and it gives you a sense of well-being, and you're uplifted by that. And so finding out the favorite questions are good for both people and for the connection. So whether it's um, did you do something today that that made you happy or um, what are you learning? There are people who just love to learn. What, what did you learn today? Or is there anything you learned today you want to tell me about? Or Dan says to me, um, is there anything you want me to know about you? And then I sort all the things I could say for, but what do I want him to know about me? And it leaves out all the rest of everything going on in my life, my family, my business. Um, some people, it's travel. Um, where do you want to travel next? Or where are you planning to travel next? Or where's a, your favorite place? What are your favorite places to have ever traveled? And what did you love about them? Like if you, you know, have a bigger space. All kinds of questions. Um, but you, but you got to ask. Got to ask what are your favorite questions to be asked? And then showing interest in that almost always works. Thank you. Christine, is that you what you were looking for? Yeah, I don't know if it was, but it was wonderful either way. <laughs> I'm just like, nothing. thank you. Yeah, I'll write that. You're you have helped us so much with the meadow report. I, I helped that helped me so much. The, the meadow report. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's um, and also knowing that about I think almost combined with the diffuse awareness and the focused awareness. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you call it, but um. How she now comes and says, "Is this is this a good time to talk?" Or she just doesn't start talking, you know. And I'm you know normally into something, and I would feel torn at that moment, and I would never be able to give the attention that I could. So it's so much yes. better now. You kind of go, "Is it now a good time?" And I can actually freely say, 10 minutes would be good," and I'm allowed that, <laughs> you know, and things like that. So all that really helps, yeah. you know. But the meta report, can you briefly talk about that? Because I've shared it with a few people. We've only got so much, so much time, but can you give a little synopsis as to <laughs> what the medical report is and why it's so important? Okay. So we talk about this kind of stuff about women. Um, we do it the best in our online Understanding Women course. Um, the one that's on Audible uh, was done in 2008, and it's just about women in gathering mode with diffuse awareness. It doesn't account for that most women are spending the majority of their time in a committed state of mind, struggling 
with the need to focus. Um, so you can think of it as a spectrum, diffuse awareness and single focus on each end. Absolute single focus is usually called autism. The, the, it's an extraordinary degree of focus over on that end. Um, far end of diffuse awareness, someone will get accused of being ADHD or ADHD or however many numbers, um, but having a having trouble focusing. Um, and it's just it, it has to do with the way the testosterone and estrogen affects the brain. And we actually can cause this, right? So with more rest, it's easier for both men and women to focus because rest builds testosterone and sleep is the best rest. Um, but it's kind of a problem because if you don't have enough total testosterone, you'll have trouble staying asleep. So you'll have trouble making more testosterone. So it's a good thing to get on board and fix for both men and women. Um, on the opposite end of single focus is diffuse awareness, which that's what I named it because it means diffuse means to spread in every direction. And most women can relate to an acute awareness of everything in their environment and the, the, the mental states, the physical states, the energy levels, um, any kind of irritation, frustration, or discomfort we're affected by, and it'll pull our attention to do something about it. This is this is why I do not live with my boyfriend. <laughs> There's 90 of my steps between me and him, and I can't hear him sneeze. I can't hear him groan. <laughs> there, <there's, laughs> can't hear his stomach growl. <laughs> He's he's not he's not my job. <laughs> he's not my job until we choose to be together. And then all those things that I pay attention to just get to overflow into loving on him. Um but as as I fuse awareness people, we're likely to get overwhelmed. So diffuse awareness can cause overwhelm. Single focus can cause frustration, especially when you don't have what you need to produce the result you're committed to. Ah, frustration goes through the roof. And um, am I answering your question? I know Sammy? you haven't. I, I'm just trying to think of some. Oh, the meta report. <laughs> Yeah, the meta report. Are, are, are you still aligned with the what you said in 2008? Uh, with I, the, I men am. are more I'm... towards the focus, the women are more towards the diffuse. Are you still aligning with that? Well, definitely genetically, um, with the chromosome that kicks in in the 21st day of gestation, um, men tend to have 15 to 30 times more testosterone than women. And it's jet fuel. It's the fuel of accountability. And um, so, yes, I'm still very much aligned. It's just incomplete. It only works part of the time. To interact with a woman in gathering mode only works when she's in gathering mode. If she's in a productive, committed state of mind, which you can tell by how she moves her body, how she uses language, how she reacts, how you come into the room, um, we teach all of that. How do you tell the difference? How do you support a woman depending on which state of mind? How to <laughs> how to um, have her feel safe? 
how to ever feel appreciated, depending on our state of mind. So yes, I still stand by that. And the meta report, um, the meta report has to do, I mean, a woman doesn't even have to leave her home to have a meta report, but it's often what people get when they say, how are you? Or if a woman says, can you just listen? She'll have all these things that she became aware of out in the world or just in her day. And she's full. She ingested them <laughs> and she's full. And also the instinct, especially if we're out in the world, the instinct is I've got to tell my tribe. I've got to tell my family. I've got to tell the people I trust what I saw out there so we don't miss out. Everybody needs to know about the sale. Everybody needs to know what's ripe. Everybody needs to know the shortages and the abundances and where to find things. And so we report back on all these things that are, I call it scan vision, which has us taken an enormous amount of information. What we can see just by scanning, especially anything that's ugly or out of place or broken or dirty, it will stand out. And, and we'll come back and we'll report on all those things that we noticed. And most men are overwhelmed by that much detail. And so one of the biggest things for both sides, whatever side you're on, I am an advocate for you have the right to set yourself up to win. <laughs> Please honor yourself first and set yourself up to win. So if a woman says, can you just listen? <laughs> Say, no, I can't just listen. <laughs> In fact, Allison says there's no such thing as just listening. We're always listening with a question at the top of our mind. Is there a question you'd like me to have? <laughs> yes. Could you listen? What's true for me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could you listen? What does she need from me? Maybe you'll figure out how to help me. <laughs> Could you listen? What does she care about or what matters most to her? All these alterations in listening we, we work on in a course called Lux, but it, we can't not filter. We, we're too perceptive. There's too much information. We have to filter. And we filter with the question at the top of our mind. And those questions determine our reality. And changing those questions on purpose like normal instinctual questions are, what do you need from me? What does this have to do with me? What's the point? What's the problem? <laughs> um, do I agree with you? What do I think about that? How do I feel about that? Those are normal ways that people listen. And you can often tell how someone's listening because you're talking and the conversation they're having in their head, their own mind produces a thought that that's so compelling, they'll interrupt you and tell you the thought. Well, I don't think that's true. Now you know they're listening. What do I think about that? <laughs> I don't feel that way. <laughs> now you know they're listening. Do I feel that way? Do I feel that way? <laughs> they, they interrupt you and tell you, well, what I know about that is, oh, they were listening. What do I know about that? What do I know about that? And these ways of listening to each other is what produces so much of the disconnection. Like, you're not hearing me at all. You didn't hear a word I said. Why do I even bother talking? 
And men and women both think this. And so setting the person up, honey, could you like hold the trash? I am full of everything I saw today. Please just hold the trash. When I pause, ask as if it's fascinating. Anything else? And I'll just get all of this out of me. And I have a dear friend whose husband would flood her with all things he wanted to tell her while she was working. And then he wanted to have sex. (laughs) And I taught her to tell him, I'm full. And until I get this out of me, I don't have any room for you in me. (laughs) All of a sudden, he's like, okay, I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to make things memorable and to the point where the other person. So yeah, the meta report we're compelled to give and we expect it to be remembered because the survival of the tribe um, depends upon it. And most women can remember that level of detail and and we'll even apologize. I'm sorry if I told you this before. It will, which is why we're stunned that men will tell us the same story over and over again as, don't you remember you told that to me? Am I so insignificant? <laughs> but stories and meta reports are not even close. Meta reports are all about facts that must be remembered because we're going to die. And stories, this is a story. It's at least part fiction. Just relax and enjoy. <laughs> you have a question? No. I have one. All right. Now from... That's all very practical, but I have a very practical questions that I promised myself if I ever had some time with you, I would ask you. So okay. how can you, if you, if you see an argument coming or you end up in an argument, how can you avoid two days of silent treatment <laughs> on both sides? How, how can you actually, you know, what would you do to help resolve an argument, bring back the connection and peace? How, how would you do that? <laughs> Okay, well, I just did a 10-hour series on this. Um, (laughs) Well, the first, we we packaged them together. So if you look for couples connecting through conflict, um, it will include the first two hours, which are called, do you disconnect with conflict? Which almost everybody disconnects with conflict, just even the fear of a conflict. They'll disconnect with the other person, they'll disconnect with themselves, they'll be all off kilter. Um, So if I was going to give you a synopsis of it, which I really recommend this, whether you're, there's a couple called I, me, (laughs) the I, me couple can have a conflict at home all alone. Um, And, and it, what matters is to distinguish what is the conflict over? And it's usually all of a jumble. So we have conflicts over values, like the the core of what matters to us. There are conflicts about that. Um, We have conflicts over actual needs, things that we require to be the people we're committed to being. We have conflicts over preferences, and which would seem funny to have a conflict over preference, but it's where disconnect happens. And when we connect over preferences, that's like we both like the same amount of salt on our food. 
or we both butter our toast all the way down to the edge. <laughs> Those kinds of preferences. Um, and then if you take this, right, so values and needs and preferences, then the source of the um, the vitriol, the source of the anger, the source of the fury, the source of the meanness, um, even that the attack that someone acts like you should be punished is that is that all of those things, values and needs and preferences are all affected by expectations. And expectations cause the most damage because they're usually unexamined. An expectation is something that should happen. And any decent p- person would do it. And I shouldn't have I shouldn't have to ask. I shouldn't have to remind. I shouldn't have to tell you why I need it. That's obvious. I shouldn't even have to tell you anything. Any decent person would already have done this or any decent person would not have done this. And the fact that you did, didn't do it or did do it means something incredibly significant. Like you don't love me, you don't respect me, you don't care about me. <laughs> You're you're an adversary, you're an enemy, you betrayed me. The, all the meaning that comes in with expectation is what has it take two days. Where if we can just see, like by listening, what matters to them? Oh, this is a conflict over, a, and I always use the word apparent, Sandy. This is an apparent conflict overvalues. It it seems it's overvalues. Let's get curious. So what really matters to you in this situation? Oh, I thought what mattered to me mattered to you. Duh. We usually project values onto people. So I was doing what matters to me and I completely disregarded what mattered to you. I, I apologize. I'm sorry for doing that. Do you think we could make an agreement that we'd actually tell the other person, what matters to us in each situation? Like what matters to you most about your free time this weekend? What matters to you most about our next vacation? What matters to you most that we do with the extra money we just got? What matters to you most to spend money on when we don't have extra money? What matters to you most? (laughs) Like those kinds of questions. And if we agree to tell each other that information, human beings Everything is shut down by don't ask and don't tell. And and that is, it's so deeply embedded in us. Do not ask and do not tell. Do not reveal a weakness. Do not reveal an ignorance. So don't ask for what we need. Don't tell someone what we need. Don't ask what they need because we should have already figured it out. So if you can see, for example, oh, this is about values. Oh, wait, this it sounds like he needs something. He's got a big project going on. I think I think you might need something you don't normally need from me. How can I support you better? You can just cut right to the heart of it. And preferences are interesting. We're, <laughs> we're like two-year-olds. 
um, with preferences. And I talk about that in the series if you want to do it. It's, it's $95 for the whole thing, 10 hours worth of awesome information. My boyfriend's actually doing it right now. <laughs> uh, he, he is, yeah. So, so yeah, if you can see, if you can, if you can assume, I would start that it, that it's an apparent conflict, right? And then if you get curious and then Sandy, the other thing is to use the word, it seems like, it seems like you're angry with me because of this. Could you verify or clarify? And that word seems like has in it the willingness to be wrong. It, it has the questioning of perception in it. And righteousness and us being convinced that our perceptions are accurate, that causes probably 90% of the trouble. So if we can, I, I don't know if I interpreted this the way you meant it. It seemed like you were saying this. Did I get it right? And then imaginary duct tape over your mouth and listen. And you'll get to find out their reality. And often our misinterpretations, for, for those of you who read the Queen's Code, right? Christina, I assume that's what you were talking about. Yeah. Do you know Karen is pissed off at her husband for leaving the garage door open? She's so pissed. What a safety violation. Do you know it could get in the house and disrupt everything? And I might come home to a, a stranger in the house and danger in the house. And why did you leave the cave open to, to all that danger? And she's so mad at him for leaving the garage door open. And then when she finally talks to him about it, she finds out he opened the garage just before she got home to welcome her home <laughs> which my husband used to do he would open the garage he'd anticipate when I was going to get home and he'd open the garage so I could just right just drive in and close the garage and be safe I wouldn't even have to wait in the driveway for a time <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm so conscious of the time trying to squeeze as much out of you in the time we have do you have a okay. question I, know I wanna there's a couple here but do you have one? Keep, keep squeezing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I I have many, but there's two things that bring up for me this. One is, and I don't know which one to ask first because I'm also aware of the time, but how do you manage to have such a positive outlook on men and women? Because for me, that's what's most amazing. And seeing you live right now is just goodness coming out of you and this beautiful outlook you have on life, which... I don't know if a lot of people share, right? People are hurt and dented and trauma traumatized. And mm -hmm. is there anything you can share so to kind of spread that outlook and, and people have happier sure. days? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I would say there's two parts. Um, one is what I've already talked about in terms of cause and effect and false cause. So the worst things that human beings do to each other are almost never conscious choices. They're the result of 
instinct, which generates impulse. And they're the result of fear and frustration and fear that their frustration will never come to an end. So it helps me just to see when somebody's being mean, for example, they're probably afraid. Um, when somebody's uh, like has to be the center of attention all the time, that's someone who's really afraid. <laughs> and someone who doesn't bite their tongue, who what they think always comes out of their mouth, um, they just haven't worked on a level of consciousness to interrupt the limbic brain. <laughs> like, catch, catch it, right? The limbic brain's always a split second in front of the prefrontal cortex. And you can actually feel the limbic brain. It, if you pay attention, it, it, I first felt it going through an airport with plenty of water and a full bag of my food. And every store selling water and every restaurant, my brain literally tilted towards it in this impulse to get more food and water before getting into this beast that was going to hurdle me through space. But I got to see it. Like it just kept doing it. There's never enough, um, which is another thing to know. For human instincts, there's never enough. Um, enough is the choice of human spirit. And so, I mean, our mission at our company is to to empower people to make choices from human spirit, which can only happen from the awareness of what we're already compelled by. So that's what has me get to see beauty in, in human beings and to forgive them um, what human instinct does. Um, and then we have another course on our website called Extreme Freedom. And it doesn't have any prerequisites. It's not based on gender. Um, it's everything I've discovered since I made the decision that I was going to be unrecognizable by my wounds. And that, that I'm not anything that I am because of some wound, some injury, some limiting conclusion about myself, some objectification that I've made of myself or others. So I do, I believe in restoration. I believe you can't really damage a human being. And if we have the will to be healed, which is I think 98% of what it takes, if we have the will to be healed, we'll find the way and almost any way will work. And extreme freedom has all these different ways, um, six different ways to heal ourselves and release stuff that doesn't serve us. But it starts with distinguishing how much we get from our injuries, how much we get from our trauma, how much we get from our limiting conclusions. They limit us on purpose and it keeps us safe to be free of those things. Ooh, that's risky. And um, so I am a huge believer in restoration and I, and I pay attention to it. I pay attention to it a lot. In fact, I do the Sedona method three times a week with a partner. We just release any old crap that got stuck on us. 
So that would be the second half, Christina. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I mean, we're, we're all here for growth. This community is all about growth. Sandy's done amazing work with his community. Um, we're all about healing. Uh, we, we do different methods. We do a, a method called QEC method and Sandy's method. And there's mind detox. And I, I love that. But when every time I see you, it just looks so genuine. And it's something I'd like to be mm. when I grow up, you know, just yeah. not, not be so hurt. And can I ask another question? We've got three minutes, so she'll have to be very fast. Okay. Okay. Ask a quick question. Well, well, I don't know. Do you have one? No, Did go ahead. But just, I don't see, and this is one of the things we don't see. I Well, we do, but I don't understand. Like, sometimes I feel I'm just sharing a feeling, and he experiences as criticizing. And talking with other female friends, I think it's a thing that happens a lot, you know? women express their discomfort and men get hurt because it feels criticism. And then I always like, how am I supposed to express how I'm feeling if you're going to take it as a criticism? So mm -hmm. if, if you could give us like a little gold nugget around that, what would it be? Okay. Well, one of the first things um, I was, there are three men that I paid attention to in the beginning of studying men. And one of the first things one of them said to me was, <laughs> He said, men listen accused. <laughs> men listen accused. And, and since he's your husband, he holds himself accountable for protecting you from everything that's awful and to make you happy. And so if you're expressing a feeling you're having that means you're not happy, then he must have failed. Even if you didn't say he failed. And <laughs> does this resonate, Sandy? Oh, see, si. yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I see your Spanish is coming along just fine. Oh, oh see. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> this was what you were um, saying the other day. I watched you in a, a YouTube video, and it was about how when a man commits to relationship, he's all in warts and all at that moment in time and where she's still kind of deciding up until even maybe beyond the marriage the marriage the wedding day and and maybe never or never right <laughs> yeah but it's kind of like that you know i'm now responsible I, i'm taking you you know helping you i'm gonna make sure you're safe and protected and we're we're a success together and yeah. if that isn't the case i'm feeling somehow if you're feeling bad or whatever yeah well so so, Christine, I'm going to tell you what to do about it, okay? <laughs> um, first is before you tell him, think about is there something that you need from him or something that he could provide for you that would help? And start with that. So in our curriculum, I talk to, I talk to the people in our curriculum eight and a half hours a month. And on those calls, I say, before you give me information, tell me what you want from me. We're all working on supporting providers, and I am a provider. So start with what do you want from me before you give me any details. Mm -hmm. So if you did that with Sandy, Sandy, I, I just need you to hear me. And if you could listen what's true for her and not take it on you, this is not your fault. 
This is not something you did or didn't do. I just want you to know what it's like to be me right now. Can you do that? And he'll have to give him a second to transition, <laughs> maybe a few seconds. <laughs> okay, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. She just wants me here. Or what's true for her? What's true for her? Okay. <laughs> Make sure it's like, you know, he's got his tennis racket. Okay, sir. Um, and it also helps. It seems like. So when a woman says, I feel like to a, a man, he listens that is that that's his problem, that he caused that, that he did something wrong, that you would feel that way. And they also have a reaction. I can't control your feelings. So women, we speak of our feelings as if they are a reflection of truth. Mm -hmm. And they are some of the time. <laughs> But we relate to them as if they're a reflection of truth 100% of the time. And so we say, I feel like you don't love me. And to me, it's like, what the am I going to do with that? <laughs> How do I change that? And they're just, I can't win. They're overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. But if you say, like, it seems like you don't love me. What? What makes it seem like that? Because that he can fix. <laughs> What I absolutely love you. What makes it seem like I don't? Well, when I was talking about my feelings yesterday, you stopped paying attention and you you wandered and you took a phone call in the middle of it. And if you really loved me, you wouldn't have done that. I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I took that phone call. <laughs> Can we make a deal that when you want to tell me about your feelings, you ask if I can give you all the attention that that deserves because I was expecting that phone call <laughs> and you started talking about feelings and I was trapped do you think we can make a deal to do that <laughs> so this is what I mean I talk about this in couples connecting through conflict I'm not done until I'm glad it happened Whatever it is that happened, those two days you were talking about, Sandy, I'm not done until I'm glad it happened. Okay, let's take this apart, get to the bottom of it, make some agreements of ways to handle things differently, write some notes to put on the fridge so we don't forget, and let's be better off because this happened. Mm -hmm. That I don't settle for being worse off, ever. I will not let my relationships with people be diminished. No, 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 no. We're upward spiraling. No downward into the sewer. Mm -hmm. Even though human instincts will drag us down into the sewer every time. Yes. There's a bookend for us. <laughs> I'm not done until I'm glad this happened. That is amazing for everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, philosophy for, for therapy right there. And everything. everything. <laughs> wow. What an amazing way to end. Thank you for joining us for this episode with Alison Armstrong. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about her online programs or anything else she does, go to alisonarmstrong.com. Also, if you want to learn more about me and uh, check out my current sale, you can go to minddetox.com where you'll see I have discounts on one-on-one -on -one sessions, uh, an academy course, and the Calm Clan membership. So head over to minddetox.com for more information and I'll see you there.